Good morning. It's Friday, the 15th of September, and this is Govindraj Athiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories: the stock markets resume their run, hit all-time highs. Tens of millions of investors are entering the markets and boosting liquidity. The Birla Group joins the 70,000 crore rupee decorative paint business. And oil trades near a 10-month high of $90 a barrel as traders predict tightness in the market ahead. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. The stock markets on the run again. The stock markets resumed their runs the fear of the last few days forgotten at least for now both the sensex and the nifty hit all time highs on thursday and then settled lower the bse sensex hit a record high of 67771 during the day and then closed at 67519 up 52 points the nifty 52 hit a new high of 20168 before ending the day at 20103 up 33 points The Nifty 50 hitting and then staying over that 20,000 benchmark is a landmark of sorts for stock market enthusiasts. One WhatsApp group I was part of even carried this title proudly for a while. The BSE mid-cap and small-cap indices, whose fortunes we usually don't care about, but are off late paying more attention after market veterans showed the thumbs down, were also up about one percent each. Now it gets a little interesting because millions and quite literally millions of investors are still pouring into the stock markets as all data sets are showing now. And this money is also going into initial public offers which are seeing among other things fairly larger founder or promoter exits at least higher than before. A report in CNBC TV in last month said in 2023 Indian promoters had successfully offloaded shares valued at about 81000 crore rupees. twice the total of promoter stake sales seen in 2022 and four times compared to the situation back in 2018 another report in bq prime says 11 companies including jsw infrastructure to yatra online hope to raise over 10000 crore rupees through initial public offers in september alone of which three have raised about 977 crore rupees so far The number of small investors has gone from roughly 40 million to around 140 million in just 4 years. So you can imagine what the speed of investors pouring in is. This rush has come with a huge amount of liquidity which among other things is keeping the markets steady to strong like right now even if institutional investors including foreign investors are selling again right now. I reached out to market veteran G Chokalingam of Economics Research and I began by asking him what he was seeing in the underlying trend or current in the market and what we could take away from it right now. The strength has come from the fact that a lot of retail investors have come to the market. In last 12 months nearly 2.9 crore new investors have come first time in the market. And secondly the economic story of fast GDP growth, credit growth you know the pli scheme so many i mean long list of uh, macro indicators that also gave a lot of comfort to the market so it was backed by fundamentals there is no doubt about it macroeconomic fundamentals which led to this robust rally along with new investors you know bse took 145 years to get 400 crore investor base but in last 4 years it added almost 9 900 crore investors in just a matter of last 3 to 4 years so this has made a big difference to the market so undercurrent is strong but i have my own skeptical view whether this would continue in the short term 
So the undercurrent that I'm talking about now refers, of course, more to the last month or so. And are you saying that's because of retail investor flow or is it more institutional or both? Retail investors, because we all saw FIA money came, but last one month FIs are selling and DIs, there is no consistency in buying. It is more to do with the retail investors. And I would attribute to, you know, the particularly the small and mid cap that added to the first time investors who are less experienced. That is because, you know, the monsoon has performed poorly. As of yesterday, also 10% fall in the cumulative rainfall as compared to a long period average. In terms of regional distribution, also it is quite bad. And inflation also above RB comfort, comfort zone. And we saw the poor inflation is very high. And also the valuation of small and mid-cap extremely stretched. And lastly, if you look back the last 15 years, after every massive rally in the small and mid-cap, we saw a major fall. And despite all this historical evidence and other data points I presented, except day for yesterday, we don't see any nervousness in the small and mid-cap. So therefore, in this segment, I would attribute to the first-line investors at all, were fully on liquidity and their overconfidence. My fear comes on the one major fact that apart from the historical evidence, today the overall market cap is 320 trillion rupees. If there has to be a sentimental impact overnight, even if 1% of this 320 trillion rupees come for selling in the market, which is about 3 trillion, there is no appetite to absorb this, not in a one day, not even in one month, the market can absorb. So my learning is that there is always a disproportionate relationship between the overall market cap and the liquidity required to support the market in the event of any adverse news development. That is why, whether it is a dot-com or Lehman crisis or Corona time or 2016 early deflationary condition in the world, we fell much more than the other markets in the world. So this is a big problem. Now, small cap indices have risen almost four times the rise in the Sensex from beginning of this current fiscal year. And from 2020 bottom, the small cap index has risen almost four times. And if you look back the history, I mean, it never continued. It has never been a linear fashion. And I don't believe in history for the sake of historical evidences. I take it as the only source of learning. But in this particular historical evidence has got a logical, solid logical explanation. That is, after such a massive rally, the small cap becomes very costly as compared to the Sensex Nifty stocks. So that is the reason you see major fall. And when fall happens, it is sudden and sweep and huge because most of the time, the domestic institutions do not come to rescue the small and mid-cap in a big way they, as compared to the way they support uh, you know, the, the Nifty stock. So considering all this, I am extremely nervous about small and mid-cap stocks in the short term. And when you said that retail investors were powering a lot of the rise that we are seeing currently or the liquidity, you're talking about retail investors coming via mutual funds directly or both? Mostly directly in my interactions. It is mostly directly because, you know, just because the stocks are rising, they are buying. That is a case with the most bull run. But this time, as I told you, from 400 crore investor base, it has become almost 1400 crore in a matter of four years and, you know, almost tripled the investor base. That is largely contributing to this rally. That is why even though we saw Mac called day for yesterday, quickly it has recovered. But I don't think it can continue for long. 
And last question, Chokat, this IPOs. We are also seeing a lot of IPOs come into the market. Many of them are small companies. They've been around. Most of those companies are fairly old companies. But what's your general sense of the quality of those IPOs and should investors be a little careful? No, quality is not great because many IPOs are priced on listing at 40p, 60p, 90p. And secondly, that is another reason to be nervous about small and mid cap because 9 out of 10 IPOs or 99% of these IPOs are in small and mid cap segment. And secondly, you know, the money which they are mobilizing, they are not likely to come back to the secondary market. This is what happens at the back end of rally in the small cap and mid cap. You know, you see a lot of IPOs coming in. You see a lot of companies which are making losses coming to the market through rights issue. We saw more than 300 uh, small and mid-cap company promoters selling part of their stake in the market. We saw a lot of PE funds selling the stocks in the market, especially in the mid-cap space. So all this liquidity, once gets dried out of the secondary market, most of them are unlikely to come back to the secondary market. So that is a time these retail investors will face massive pain. And this is what happened in the last 30 years. If you look back, after a massive IPO rally, we saw a massive correction in the small and mid cap. Liquidity gets wiped out from the hands of the retail investors and the valuation bubbles are there. Institutional support doesn't come. So all the signs are evident now. And therefore, I believe this is a time to be extremely cautious on small and mid cap. However, very, very optimistic about the medium to long-term outlook of the overall Indian market. At this stage, particularly on the last cap index stocks, and I believe post-May 2024, we will see a phenomenal outlook for the Indian equity markets. Right. Uh, Choka, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. We touched upon oil last week, and that's now trading near a 10-month high, near $90 a barrel, as analysts are predicting and projecting tighter supply conditions. The International Energy Agency predicts a significant supply shortfall in coming months, and OPEC estimates that the deficit could be the biggest in over a decade. The OPEC is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. The US government also expects that global consumption will exceed production, says Bloomberg. OPEC Plus leaders Saudi Arabia and Russia are constricting supplies, as we've pointed out on the core report earlier as well. So the markets are up, oil is up. Now, what happens to tax collections? Are they good or not? Well, among other numbers, most people think as weather wanes on what is happening in the economy are corporate tax collections. Corporate tax collections between April and July had fallen 10% to about 176,000 crore rupees or around $21 billion dollars from a year earlier, according to government data. Now, this is despite healthy profit growth reported by listed Indian companies. India's corporate tax collections must be looked at over a longer period of time, and the full-year numbers are likely to be in line with budget estimates India's Economic Affairs Secretary Ajay Seth told reporters on Thursday, as reported in a Reuters report. We should not look at a few months' data and try to find a long-term trend over there. My sense is that whatever numbers are there in terms of budget estimates and revenues will be realized, Ajay Seth told reporters. And painting the town, or perhaps country, red. India's decorative paints industry is estimated at about 70,000 crore rupees and for a long time, the organized part of it has been monopolized by a few players like Asian Paints, Berger Paints and Kansai Nerolak, among others. Near monopolies usually mean that more players jump in quickly. 
Now that has not happened, at least not successfully, in paints, except for a couple of players like Indigo Paints who came in 2000. In recent years, several larger players have jumped in, including steel and infrastructure group JSW in 2019 with JSW Paints. The latest to do so is Grassim Industries of the Aditya Birla Group, which will launch its paint business under the brand name Birla Opus in the fourth quarter of the current financial year. In a release on Thursday, the flagship company of the Birla Group said it will offer a full suite of high-quality products in the decorative paint segment. An R&D facility has apparently been set up in the state of Maharashtra and the painting services are being piloted in key metro cities, according to the company. Grassim had previously said it had committed an investment of 10,000 crore rupees towards setting up this paints business and they'll be produced at the company's manufacturing plants in Haryana, Punjab, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, Maharashtra and West Bengal. The ONDC, or the India's Open Network for Digital Commerce, was created as an open source, as the name says, platform to bring or connect buyers to sellers directly via a buyer app. As a consumer, you would see a buyer app. ONDC's point is that more than 12 million sellers earn their incomes by selling or reselling products and services, but only about 15,000 or less than 1% are e-commerce enabled. That is the opportunity. ONDC is still in its early stages and growing and of course hopes to compete with the big e-commerce majors. One of the challenges of course is the comfort for retail consumers around fulfillment and the concerns of dealing with the seller directly. I caught up with T. Koshi, Managing Director of ONDC for the Core Reports Weekend Edition and asked him among other things about ONDC's journey and where it was right now. The ONDC is HTTP of commerce. So what it means that, I mean if I tell you the big vision eventually, that every seller of a product or service which is catalogable. Why do I say catalogable? Because if I'm just making only for you, if let's say somebody is making my again, it's a bad equation. They don't need a network to, you know, for business. But catalogable means it is relevant to a broad cross-section of potential buyers. They would make their product visible in this open network using ONDC protocol, which will enable them to be discovered an order to be placed, payment to be made, and order fulfillment is completely tracked. So they will all visible. And they don't need to be made part of multiple platforms like today. For example, today if I am in platform X, I am visible only to the buyers in the platform X. If I am in platform Y, I am visible only to the buyers in the platform Y. So if I want to be visible in both platform buyers, you have to be technical, legal, procedural, business process, everything has to be separate integration because you have wall gardens. Now you're saying that you just make yourself visible on this open network using open protocol or NDC protocol, either directly or through some aggregators who would do. You made yourself visible. And now there are different kinds of buying platforms whose job is to help their kind of buyers. Let's say this buying platform could be bankers, this buying platform could be fintech, this guy could be startups. They say, okay, this is the buyers whom I deal with. My loyalty is to them. Let me help those buyers to discover what is relevant for them. Help them to buy what is learned because they don't have any direct relationship with the sellers. So there is no conflict of interest. So this variety of buying application would come and help their buyers to discover and buy what is relevant for them. So it is from the same buying application, they can buy consumer goods, they can buy food, they can hail a taxi, they can book a hotel room, I mean, everything. So it is no more wall gardens as you see in uh, each domain. You know, consumer goods, you have two or three. Food, you have two or three. Ride hailing, you have two or three. No, 
it can be completely different. And each of them who has a set of digital consumers can help their digital consumers to buy what is relevant so long as they're there. And in, in my opinion, they will all be there in a, in a, in a soon. Well, that's it from me on The Core Report. Do log in to www.thecore.in. Check out our newsletter and our website. And of course, our podcast. Do write in to us. And also mail me at govindraj at thecore.in. Look forward to your feedback and see you on Saturday and on Monday. This was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.